Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second annual edition of the Senior Bowl Presents the Cheapest Meal, presented by Deep Fried Draft, sponsored by, unofficially, Grapeco. As we're here now with some good friends of mine, I'm Brian Bosarge from DeepFriedDraft.com. I have with me Joe W. Everett from DraftScouts.com, NFL Draft Bible, and various other things where you can degenerate gamble. I have with me Scott Wright, the founder of of DraftCountdown.com, one of the draft's oldest and most reliable NFL draft websites. And as always, the great pigskin Paul Gilmet from the GBNReport.com, another one of those widely trusted resources for the NFL draft. It is the final countdown towards the 70th annual Reese's Senior Bowl here in Mobile, Alabama, a tradition like none other in the NFL draft community. Everybody comes here to Mobile once a year to enjoy Grapeco and barbecue and seafood, everything. It's just a good time for everybody. The, all, the NFL revolves around Mobile, Alabama for one week. And uh, tomorrow's Senior Bowl uh, will probably be a, a, probably a pretty good game. I, uh, probably not, but we'll see. The weather's going to be good, though, unlike uh, Wednesday when the media got rained out of practice, but that's okay. We made the best of it. So... With that being said, we've got some topics we're going to discuss. They'll all be Senior Bowl related for the most part, I would imagine. Let's start out. It's the first year, everybody, under Jim Nagy, the new director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, replacing Phil Savage, who's now the general manager of the Arizona Hotshots of the newly formed Alliance of American Football. Uh, just want to get quick impressions, uh, positive or negative reviews from the uh, first year of the, the Nagy regime here. We'll start with Pigskin Paul. I think overall, I'll give him a B plus and a somewhat incomplete. I think the, the, the proceedings are a little bit tarnished, but there's not much the director of the program can do about the weather. And the weather having rained out the entire process for most of us on Wednesday really hurts a little bit. But I think his overall team is strong I think they may be leaning. I didn't think this was possible. This could be a negative. I didn't think it was possible for anybody to come in and be more oriented towards the NFL wants and desires of this game. But I think we got it. I think Jim Nagy is even more responsive. And no, not feeling sorry for myself, but I do sometimes feel like an orphan at this game. Scott Wright. I think the early results are extremely positive, and my main thing is the roster. Everything else kind of is secondary for me, and I've been really impressed with this roster top to bottom, more so since we've been down here and get to see these guys play. play. Uh, for example, Terry McLaurin, the wide receiver from Ohio State. I mean, I, like many, kind of viewed him as an afterthought in the roster. I saw that name and I kind of just skimmed right over it. 
dude's been a revelation this week. He was incredible. And there's a number of examples of that. And, you know, there's very few weak spots on this roster for either squad, less than ever. I think they're going to have a really good number of players drafted this year. Of course, all the underclassmen that came out is going to affect that a little bit too. But, uh, I mean, one through 100 and whatever, 12 or whatever the roster is, um, this is probably as impressive as I've seen since I've been coming down here in 2005. Uh, I think it's really impressive. And watching practice the other day, uh, the offensive and defensive line for the North, I mean, I couldn't find a weak spot there. There was no weak link. They were all excellent. So um, early returns, very positive, and, and I'm just based on a roster construction because everything else I'll deal with, but uh, just get the good players here. Jeff? Yeah, I'm with uh, Paul on the more NFL. It seems like Jim's really catering to that. And then I think just uh, the positions, like a lot of different converts, just guys that are flat-out nickel uh, Adderley here. I think they're doing a good job putting him in position. And then uh, the linebackers that used to be safeties, a guy like Pruitt, I think they've found uh, the new NFL linebacker. That, that guy strikes me as the, the, the sort of the mold and uh, the way they put the roster together. I'm a big fan of that. But, yeah, like you guys mentioned, there's not a damn thing to do about the weather. That rain was uh, brutal, and it's just unfortunate his first year uh, he's got to go through that. But I like the way uh, the roster's been put together and the types of players that he's put on it. Uh, I'm, a, I'm definitely a big fan of that. So, all in all, I'm, I'm looking at it as a positive. Yeah, I kind of mentioned it earlier. I think the one negative thing that I've had to say uh, in the first year is whenever you get guys injured in the middle of the week, you have to replace them with other guys. And in the past, they've announced their weigh-in results at practice. That didn't happen this year. So you're kind of having a back channel to get those, get that information. But that's just that's nitpicky stuff here and there. Not going to hold that against and hell. People get busy, you know. So especially this week, those guys. So, you know, maybe with a day off in the middle like we had, you know, maybe that affects some of that. But uh, let's talk about what everybody loves to talk about in any kind of draft because that's anybody's all – first thing out of everybody's mouth, what about the quarterbacks? So you got to talk about the quarterbacks. So uh, we'll come back to Joe first this time. Joe, what's uh, your overall impression of the QBs here this week? Who was the best, who was the worst, and what's in the middle? Uh, I think we're in the Hall of Very Good, not the Hall of Fame. This group is uh, – this is a lot of the same guy to me. Uh, if I had to pick one, I, I think I was uttering the same words at practice, gun to my head, I'll take Stidham. Uh, but I'm not happy about it. Uh, if I got stuck with Locke, I wouldn't be happy about it. I think that's kind of where I am. I'm not content with this quarterback class at all, and it's been a really rough practice for a lot of these guys. And uh, not only that uh, rough weather game one, but or, sorry, practice one, but even like the last practice, I didn't see those guys cutting through the wind. Uh, this yeah, like I said, uh, I'm, I'm not against having Stidham on my team, but I, I'm very, just not pleased with it. I thought uh, Greer had a rough week. And then Jackson, the enigma, man, I, I, there, there's some throws that are great. It's just uh, I, I think more than 80% of those throws, you're just shaking your head. Uh, what was he thinking? What could have happened there? Um, yeah, it's uh, an underwhelming or just flat-out whelming uh, quarterback group. Scott, what do you think about the QBs this week? Uh, I guess Daniel Jones from Duke disappointed me a little bit. I still think he's going to be a first-round pick, but I thought he had a chance to really, you know, create some buzz this week. Um, but it was inconsistent. He wasn't as polished, I guess, as I thought he would be. He threw those two interceptions on Wednesday. So I guess he was a little bit of a disappointment. Drew Locke, my opinion, hasn't really changed. I wasn't as high on him as some coming in. I had kind of the top 50, late round one, early to mid round two. And I, I think everything I was kind of concerned about, the inconsistency and things of that nature, were, were 
confirmed this week. So um, overall, though, um, I think top to bottom, this is a good quarterback class, and uh, a, there, a lot of them are going to make rosters. And the other thing to keep in mind is we've been saying throughout the week with these other leagues like the Alliance and the XFL, some of these guys are going to get opportunities to prove themselves there eventually. So um, top to bottom, one through eight, I think this is the best quarterback class I've seen, but you don't have as much high-end talent as we did last year, and I don't know if we have as much high-end talent as I thought we did maybe a week ago. So um, I, I think the luster on Jones and Luck, it wore off a little bit this week, but we know how it is with quarterbacks. There's so many teams. I mean, if you're the Broncos at 10 or the, the Dolphins or the Redskins, you need a quarterback. Even though there's question marks with these guys, they're probably both going to go. And at least Jones for sure is going in the top 15, and I think Luck still, still has a chance. What about it, Paul? Well, I will go. I'll go back to something that Joe mentioned, and I think it's true. It reminds me of watching Daniel Jeremiah when they do their draft countdown, and he talks about clusters at positions and trying to find the cream within that cluster. And I think that was a problem. I one guy would have a good day this morning. This afternoon, different guy. Tomorrow, a different guy. Yesterday, a different guy. I saw good things from everybody. Um, and I think the first part of the problem for me, I guess this is my chance, my pet peeves. Okay? We don't need eight quarterbacks at this game. I liked it when there were six. Everybody gets, roughly, everybody gets a quarter. And then the guy who's the hottest and doing the best job is on the field for his team in the fourth quarter. I think that leads to better competitive, but the NFL wants a chance to, even if they don't get to see them every practice, they get the taste of the practice, and they go back over and over, but the guys don't get enough throws. They, they just don't get, I don't like it. I'm sorry. You know, they had a couple of injuries, and I thought we were going to be down to six. I kept bugging Brian about, well, what do you hear? What do you hear? Brian's our roster man on the scene. And every time somebody went down, within a couple of days, they found another guy to bring in. Um, it's, it's not the high-end stuff that we had last year. I absolutely agree with that. Um, best and worst, based on what they did this week, I think Jared Stidham won. He did more things well. He didn't make a lot of mistakes. You know, Daniel Jones was great at times, and then he throws two consecutive picks on the same pattern. Um, you can't have that. That's really dumb. And probably the worst quarterback, just because he doesn't fit NFL mold, McSorley. I really like Trace McSorley, but he's so small and he's so quick to take off, he's going to get killed in the NFL. He either goes to Canada, I'd like to see that, because I actually watch Canadian Football League. I'd like to see him go to Canada because nothing's going to make him six foot two and 220 pounds. He's always going to be barely six feet and 200, and he's going to take off the first time that the pocket gets crushed, and he's going to get crushed. So it's a, in a sense that this is supposedly for pro prospects and we cater to the NFL, McSorley's a bad fit here. I'll say this. I thought Tyree Jackson was bad on the first day, but then I watched the film from the second day of practice, and I thought he got better, and I thought he had his best day yesterday. Call it the Josh Allen trajectory from last year because Allen was abysmal on day one, but he got better. And then in the game – He was abysmal, then he got better there. He got better there too. 
and ended up having a potential MVP performance. Not that I'm tipping my hand for later in the show. Um, let's talk about this, and I think you may have you kind of touched on this a little bit, but uh, what player that you were high on coming into this week just kind of left you disappointed? Well, for me, I still, when I come to these games, when I go over to the Shrine game, I, it's hard for me to divest myself of my favorite teams who have players here. And I lived 40 years in Wisconsin. And I was real excited when the starting offensive guard tandem for the Badgers were both going to be at this game. And I'm glad they were here, but I was disappointed in both of them, quite frankly. Um, on the other hand, though, Eric Engold, the fullback, was here. And now I am totally convinced that he is the best fullback in the draft for teams that actually have a fullback. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry to say I, my Badger guards just didn't get the job done. Who bummed you out this week, Scott? I think I'm going to go with uh, Boston College defensive end Zach Allen. Uh, and, of course, he's been on the radar for quite a while. There was a lot of talk maybe last year he would come out and be a first-round pick, went back for his senior year, didn't have a great year. And I, I, this, In fairness to him, the senior bowl week really isn't the type of place where he's going to shine. I think he's probably going to play better in the game because he's not this incredible edge pass rusher who's going to flash in the one-on-ones. Um, that's just not his game, but um, as Paul's been kind of saying throughout the week that, you know, the, it's just 10 years ago he'd been a much better prospect. It's just a different game these days. So I think Zach Allen coming in, I thought he had a chance to maybe be a top 25 overall pick. Now I'm more inclined to say second round. I still think he's a good player, but I just don't think that's the type of player you take in the first round. And Whereas coming in, I thought maybe he was up there with Montez Sweat, Jalen Ferguson. I, I think he's fell a little further down amongst that pack now. Joe? It's, uh, I'm going to do two parts. First off, Sutton Smith. I'm shocked being a member of the fan club, and not just a member, I'm a president too. I was signing people up. and uh, Was some, he here this week? You wouldn't know. Well, the, the guy that was getting uh, uh, face burn or uh, grass picked out of his helmet, uh, it was some regrettable reps. Uh, <laughs> I just feel terrible for the kid because he got in there at pass rush and really uh, ate some sod, unfortunately. And then um, he didn't really look good as an off-ball linebacker. He's not supposed to be an off-ball linebacker. He's kind of now pigeonholed as a special teamer, and this is a regrettable week for him. And just another one of those underclassmen graduates that he's kind of forced in this event to, I think, help their numbers. And then uh, the other one I just, I think, touched on David Sills. I'm kind of sure that he's not fast enough to get release uh, consistently in the NFL and like you know why a lot of his college balls were contested now uh, he's not fast he looks kind of like he's in quicksand out there and I think that's a guy who lost a little bit of his luster this week so I'm sorry I took two Brian uh, but you know you did not set rules or parameters. I did not set rules so there it is well I already picked two myself so there you go you went badger I listened Brian (laughs) (laughs) um Let's let's flip flop that concept and a guy who maybe that you either had low expectations on or or didn't think much of as a prospect, but came in this week, Joe, and uh, he 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 about faced. Well, and I, this one's even more embarrassing, and I've got a pick egg off of my face because this kid is from Indianapolis. He went to Cathedral High School. Uh, Terry McLaren, who Scott referenced earlier, I. Uh, 
I had him on the board, maybe close to a hundred. I, I just knew of him is all I can say. And he opened my eyes and a lot of other people's. It's not just his rece receiving skills, but even in special teams drills, he's going hard. He's getting after it. He's chirping at his other teammates. Uh, they, a lot of those coaches, they scream at these guys to communicate, and he's the one, you know, he gets it out there. And there's a not only a great vibe about him, but the skills are there. There's been some, un, you know, really bad balls his way, uh, footballs that are behind him, and he's gone out there and made the plays. Uh, it, it's he Really, he's got the whole package, and from what I'm hearing about him, he's going to test extremely well. So right now the table is set for Terry McLaren to uh, – uh, just capitalize not only off a great week of Mobile, but just keep this drive alive. And yeah, the the Terry McLaren uh, hype train I think is alive and well. Scott, well, I, I would have said Terry McLaren too. I, I'm uh, I think it's a bordering, if not officially, a prospect crush for me. But I'll pick somebody different for the, the sake of being different. But uh, how about L.J. Collier, the defensive end from TCU? I was really impressed with him. Not real tall. He was only six two and a quarter, but 280 pounds, really thick, and 34 and three quarter inch arms. To put that in perspective, that's the same arm length as Anthony Nelson, who's a shade under 6'7". So he, even though he's not tall, he does have length. And, you know, he's not an explosive player necessarily off the edge. I think the best way to describe him is crafty. But I was really impressed. Uh, it, it wasn't always really flashy, but he finds a way to win and get in the backfield and disrupt. And I think he's a fourth or fifth round pick. And that might even be a little low, honestly. Scott, who uh, coached your eye this week? Who? Scott? What? I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> Paul, I'm sorry. <laughs> you get two in a row. Um, I had seen the name Terrell Hanks a few times on people's draft list. I cannot say that I really watched any New Mexico State games during the course of the season. And I was absolutely impressed from the first day when he just about took the helmet off a couple of other guys in supposed controlled contact drills and he's taken people's helmet off and I think he continued to do that. I don't think people were real excited about having to run plays in his direction. I think he showed some good mobility. I think it'll take a little while but he can adjust to the NFL game of falling into coverage more and if he has a double-digit tackle total tomorrow, which is hard to do in an all-star game. I will start comparing him to Bobby Wagner. Do a funny, I'll, I'll give you a name and a funny story to back this up. Uh, a few weeks, we'll, we'll say three days before he came out early, I had a guy who's a big fan of Deep Fried Draft, a guy named Jimmy Williams, instant messages me and says, hey, what do you think about Penny Hart? Who? I'm like, I have no idea who this is. I said, I don't even know if I watched Georgia State this year. I did twice, but didn't remember. Well, then two days later, he declares. Two days after that, he's on the Senior Bowl roster. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm going to have to start paying attention to this guy. And boy, did we all have to start paying attention to this guy because while Andy Isabella got all the slot guy attention before the before the start, Penny Hart's the one that he uh, – he took it away, and uh, this guy's quick feet, just super fast. I mean, he's he's zero to 60 like a damn high-end European car. And uh, so this guy's uh, definitely somebody that's going to have to go back and watch those two Georgia State games that I watched or re-watch him, I guess, and uh, and see what, happened, see, uh, see what he was all about uh, earlier this season. All right, before we get into the rest of our – 
our uh, podcast here. We're going to take a short break to uh, we're going to thank our sponsor for this podcast, and uh, we'll be right back in just a few minutes. Are you traveling to Disney? Are you planning a trip to Disney World or Universal Studios or Disneyland or any of the other Disney properties around the world? Well, then you need a good person to help you out with all that planning. You need Coasters and Castles Travel Representative Rebecca Bosarge to help you plan your trips. You need help buying tickets. Do you need help knowing what restaurants to go to? You need reservations for those restaurants. You need to book fast passes and get your magic band straight and all that stuff that goes on at Disney that, quite frankly, you don't know about or you didn't have time to do. She does, and she'll do it for free. That's right. Her services are free. All you do is contact rbosarge at coastersandcastlestravel.com. That's rbosarge, R-B-O-S-A-R-G-E, at coastersandcastlestravel.com. Call today. Email today. Welcome, welcome back, everybody, to the cheapest meal presented by Deep Fried Draft, sponsored by Grapeco tonight for the second annual Draftnik Grapeco Party podcast. Um, had the 49ers Kyle Shanahan uh, led staff on the South team this year, and uh, John Gruden in the North team. Was, what, how do we feel about these coaching staffs this year, uh, Paul? I I personally like John Gruden a lot. And I wish he'd be back in the broadcast booth. I don't think this is going to work out. I thought I saw a, a, a noticeable difference between the pace and what was being done out on the field with Shanahan's staff versus Gruden's. And I thought Shanahan's people were way ahead of the curve compared to Gruden. It just it was his his group were herky jerky. Some of these things would barely get going, and the horn goes off and they run down the field to the next drill. I thought the 49ers did a better job sustaining the drill long enough for everybody to get a couple of reps most of the time. Um, and I am guessing, even though the players love the swag T-shirts that we saw them wearing today at the hotel that said Raiders and had the logo on it, um, <coughs> I am guessing the kids that were lucky enough to have the Niners staff got a little bit better deal on the coaching end. What about it, Scott? I honestly don't have any strong opinions one way or the other. Maybe it's because we didn't see as much practice this time as we usually do. But I, I don't think they were exceptionally good or bad. I don't notice anything. I guess my my same gripe as every year is too much special teams. Uh, I think we all get sick of that. <laughs> we spend 15 minutes while they're stretching and stuff. I wish they could maybe start a little earlier and get that out of the way and not include that in the practice time. But, you know, it's too much special teams would be my only gripe. Joe? Yeah, I think in the same token, didn't see nearly enough. But uh, the one complaint I've got is that last practice south, uh, cutting us off there. And I, it, the weather was pretty ideal. I think I'd want to get some more uh, work out there if I was them. Uh, I do agree. It seemed like they were more concise in the practice they run. But to me, north practice with the Raiders crew was a lot more fun. Uh, they did hop around a little much, but some of the things they did were more exciting. They had those one-on-ones with people surrounded, kind of, you know, uh, gets the players a little jacked up, and that does, you know, make an impact. Um, I don't, you know, like have a favorite of either uh, coaching staff the way they ran it, but I was very disappointed at the end of the day on Thursday having to walk off earlier than what I thought I was. 
that that was a little bit bitter on the end. I've, uh, I've kind of upset in the Shanahan, but I'll, on what Paul said, I have full confidence that uh, the San Francisco coaching staff was actually doing some teaching. What the Raiders are doing, I'm not betting on at all. Yeah, I believe that I share the same complaint. I mean, why did we lose 45 minutes of practice yesterday? Was the 49ers practice so concise that they got it done 45 <laughs> minutes too early? And as far as the Raiders go, did anybody see Spider 2 Y Banana this week? I don't think so, and that's bullshit. Before we get into our prognostications and everything, uh, so I feel like everybody's got more players than maybe what I talked about or, or for the question of ask. So just maybe one or two more guys that you want to highlight this week, Paul. Um, I was very impressed, and I think it's important it gave him a chance to move up. Andre Dillard from Washington State did a much better job than I expected him to do with run blocking and showing some power. Uh, I, I guess probably because it was a Mike Leach offense, I see Dillard as a finesse kind of guy and, you know, going to be really good, got nice dancing feet, but he, he really laid into some people this week. Um, so that was a nice surprise to me, and I, you know, I guess I'm just going to say I didn't see a lot of Debo Samuel this season. My fault, nobody else's. I had that choice because I even live in SEC country. But um, what he did this week was really impressive. And he's in my first round now. Cause I could talk about Debo Samuel for another hour, <laughs> but I'm not going to. But uh, I don't know that I've ever left a Senior Bowl week where there's been one player that is universally as praised as Debo Samuel's left this week. I mean, he's he's concisely – I mean, I would say almost unanimous probably. Everybody would say he's one of the top players leaving this week, and I don't think you're, you're going to hear anybody say otherwise. Scott, how about you? One or two guys that, uh, that we haven't talked about yet that you want to bring up. Well, and just in regards to Samuel, he came in as the top rate receiver, and he just widened the gap. He, he didn't. Nobody closed the gap on him. He made it the gap wider. But um, I, I'm going to go. There's three players actually. A uh, couple defensive tackles. Colin Sanders. Colin Saunders from Western Illinois. I mean, he's just been a revelation. He's been incredible. I mean, he's been unblockable all week long, and I think he's going to push for a spot in that top 100 overall, just like Nathan Shepard did last year after parlaying the Senior Bowl week. Um, and then. I, I like Dalen Mack, the defensive tackle from Texas A&M. I understand he's going to be a day three pick probably. He's one-dimensional. He's a run plugger. But, man, he is so stout, just really thick thighs. And he's one of those players that you look at and he's different. You don't see guys like that all the time. He's kind of a special physical specimen and just plays with great leverage. He's extremely powerful. So uh, I was impressed with, with Dalen Mack. And then on the other side of the ball, uh, a guy who I don't think is getting enough attention is Caleb McGarry, the offensive tackle from Washington. Uh, he's six, six and seven eighths, 300 and what was he, 21 pounds. Real physical, aggressive, nasty, and I kind of compare his situation to Orlando Brown. He's going to fall probably to the third round because somebody's going to question his, his athletic numbers or his testing numbers, and they're going to ignore the tape, which is excellent. And he's going to end up starting for him as a rookie, as a, as a right tackle. So uh, Caleb McGarry, I think, is, uh, has been really good this week. He's not getting his due. 
Go ahead, Joe. Well, two right off the list. These guys are good. I like McGarry just flat out. That guy's got some pelts on the wall. He's proven it. Uh, he's survived and seen just a ton of competition. So I think love what he did this week. Um, Jacoby Myers, before I start, I'm not a North Carolina State fan, but Jacoby Myers, the receiver, converted quarterback, he's just looked great. Uh, the two practices I saw from him, uh, running away from guys, a uh, real deep receiver, but he could also get it done close within. Uh, I think I'm not the only one that uh, maybe eyes are a little bit open to him. He made a real good decision declaring early. Corey Ballantyne. That corner just looks good. Uh, I think he appealed to a lot of different defenses. And the way he's so long-levered, he gets into people, uh, starts jabbing them. I, I think uh, great week. And then the last one's Bradbury, the center. I don't have to tell anybody how skilled he is and athletic, uh, how he slides. Uh, it's, uh, there's obvious he's a former tight end because of that movement skill. I'd like to see him bulk up, but I don't know if he's maxed out right now. Just still, though. Really good week from him, and uh, yeah, the name deserves to be added to the Great Pico podcast. Garrett Bradbury, uh, the, there's a reason he won that practice award. Well, I'm going to add four names because Scott's going to cheat. I'm going to cheat, uh, and it's my podcast. So there's two FCS offensive tackles I think we need we need to talk about here that I think had excellent weeks. One got caught up from the Shrine game. Uh, Oli Udo from Elon, I th- just long arms, this guy. I thought he had a great week uh, pass and run blocking. The other one is Titus Howard, the offensive tackle from Alabama State. Only game I saw of him this year was against Auburn, and he had a great game against the Tigers. And then this week he had a couple – He they, the one rep everybody's going to talk about Titus Howard is when Montez Sweat one-arm stiff-armed him to the ground. But what nobody talks about is the other three reps he had against Montez Sweat where he locked Montez Sweat out. And he also had a couple of good reps against some of the other uh, of the South team's edge rushers, which, by the way, if RIP North quarterbacks on Saturday, it's not going to be good. Um, but uh, the other guy I want to talk about is the center from Texas A&M. Uh, Eric McCoy. I didn't. I didn't have a. I didn't have a book on Eric McCoy coming into this week. And outside of Bradbury, I mean, he was the only other center. I think that honestly, because Piercebacher, that was bad news for that guy all week. But Eric McCoy, I thought he showed that he could be a starting NFL center uh, with his power, and uh, he's had some good. Showed some good agility in the middle of the offensive line. So he's a guy that I thought. And I'm gonna talk about a guy who. I thought highly of another guy I thought highly of maybe coming into the week as a corner, but now I think he's a safety only, and that's Isaiah Johnson from uh, Houston. He is so stiff. I mean, it was, oh, God, not to talk about Debo Samuel again, but, you know, but, uh, but, those, but we were, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It was right in front of us uh, down in the end zone yesterday. They were running the goal line drills, and Debo turned this guy. It's almost like he didn't, he was stuck, like, like, in cement shoes, and Debo just turned him inside out. And I just don't think he's got the movement skills uh, to to be a, a, a corner at next level. I think he's going to be a safety. Um, Excuse me. I'd like a recount. Since everybody's cheating, I'd like a chance for one more. One more, Paul. Okay. Last week at the Shrine game and practices, little Jimmy Moreland came out, and everybody was just in love with him by the end of the week. He got the call up here, and I thought 
in yesterday's practice, he was outstanding again. And that says to me, can't be a one-hit wonder. He came and played with even better players overall than the Shrine had, and he still was getting attention here. A little undersized, he's probably only going to be a nickel corner, but I think he's going to be in the NFL for a while, and he's going to, he's going to be a starter in today's NFL with two linebackers and five DBs. He's going to be out on that field, and he's going to do very well. Yeah, Jimmy Moreland, uh, from what little bit I saw of him in practice, uh, I thought he did well as well. Uh, last year, um, you had Baker Mayfield, potential offensive rookie year. We won't know until, is it next next week, I guess, when they have their, whatever, whenever they have their award show. Uh, it's probably going to be Saquon Barkley, but, I mean, it could be Baker Mayfield as the offensive rookie year. Defensive rookie year, I think we all in agreement, is going to be Darius Leonard. Uh, the linebacker from the Colts who played in the Senior Bowl last year out of South Carolina State. And, and you, you, you were talking about double-digit yeah. tackles in the game. Yeah. Darius Leonard had 16 tackles in the game last year. Ridiculous. But uh, anyway, so hypothetically, let's say Baker Mayfield wins rookie year. So the offense and defense rookie years would come from the Senior Bowl. If you had to pick a guy from an offensive guy and a defensive guy from this year's game to win offensive rookie of the year next year, who is it? Joe, I'll go with your man Debo. Uh, I, I think he's the one that's got a shot, you know, for hit the ground, hit the ground running, be a part of an offense right off the bat. I just don't see it from these quarterbacks to be that starter at least a good portion of the year. I know, like year after year, that's where the quarterbacks are being forced to be put in there. But at, from this event, offensively, I think Debo is the lock here. Uh, maybe. Isabella gets in there and makes some noise, but I don't see his ascension being that quick and as ready as uh, Samuels. Uh, I think he could play in the slot right off the bat. I, he returned kicks. Uh, I don't know about punts, apparently, but I mean, with, with that kind of athleticism, he's the favorite there. And then if I had to pick one, I'd one of these pass rushers would probably be where the smart money is, but I'm not smart. I like to roll the dice. Give me Dave Long. He lands... In a, in a zone scheme, plays off-ball backer, leads his team in tackles. Uh, yeah, wild card Dave Long for uh, DPOY. Didn't they switch him to wide receiver, according to somebody? Telling yeah. You? There was a very good pool reporter that said that he plays wide receiver. Yeah. I thought I saw that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Well-to-do. Was it Florio? <laughs> no, no, no names. Just player names today. Scott Wright. On offense, I'm going to go with Drew Locke, quarterback from Missouri. Um, and and I, I don't even think he's the best quarterback down here. I have Daniel Jones right higher, but he's got the flash. I mean, he has, if in the right situation, he could light up the league because he has a rare arm talent. I said Drew Locke is the type of player that you invent the term arm talent for. He can make every throw. He's got a big arm. He's exciting. So I'm going to go with Drew Locke. And then another set of ball, I'm going to go with a guy that Paul mentioned earlier, New Mexico State linebacker Terrell Hanks. I actually wrote him up in one of my reports, and I kind of made some comparisons to Darius Leonard last year. Um, not not exactly the same players, but, I mean, that's the type of linebackers teams are looking for in the NFL today, guys who have that range sideline to sideline that can drop in coverage, and, and Hanks can do all that. And on top of that, he's also he's powerful, he's explosive, and, man, at that weigh-in, he was one of the superstars. That wasn't a six-pack. That was a 12-pack. So uh, I'm going to go with him on defense. Uh, so, yeah, Drew Locke and Terrell Hanks. Paul? Okay, I'm going to make Scott happy. My offensive player of the year, rookie of the year, is a domer. 
I think Williams, the running yeah. back, I yeah. think I think he goes into the league well rested, so to speak. He hasn't had 400 carries a year for two or three years. I think he's explosive. He showed that this week. I think I can't believe he doesn't have enough athleticism to become a better receiver out of the backfield. It's a long shot, but given that I don't see a whole lot of offensive rookie of the year candidates here, I will go with him, and then I will take a chance on defense that he stays out of trouble and works hard, and if he does, given today's NFL game, I think Montez Sweat has a great chance to be the defensive rookie of the year because if he can roll it out, and he really flashed down here at times, I thought, and he was stronger than I thought he would be, he can, I think he can actually set the edge at the NFL level if he's got a good big linebacker behind him. Uh, with the emphasis on sacking the quarterback, I think if Sweat finds a groove with the right team, he'll be double-digit sacks, and it's going to be hard to get beyond that. Yeah, I would have gone with Sweat myself, too. So uh, I'll say this. I'll, I'll go off of the radar here. Offensive Rookie of the Year, I'm going to say UC Davis wide receiver Keelan Doss. Again, it's all about where does he go? Is there an injury in front of him early? And, you know, where does he fit? But uh, I'll take that risk, and I'll say Keelan Doss, the wide receiver from UC Davis, fourth-round guy, but ends up starting day one because, you know, starter A got hurt for team B. Maybe with the Colts. Maybe with the Colts. Could happen. And uh, we'll say defensive rookie of the year. I'll stay with the same thought. You know what? No. Linebacker Jermaine Pratt, NC State, in the same in the same ilk of Terrell Hanks, uh, you know, in the Darius Leonard, a uh, fast, speedy linebacker that can cover, maybe gets two or three interceptions, maybe has five or six sacks, gets 110, 120 tackles. Defensive Rookie of the Year, Jermaine Pratt. Did you notice a couple uh, from of days NC State that uh, with that new measuring Cybex measuring system yeah. they've got out there? Pratt was the fastest guy on the field that yeah. day. Yeah. Now, that makes me, quite frankly, that makes me question that analytic tool. <laughs> but it's still, it's comparing guys to guys that are out there. And for the ex-safety who's up to 230 pounds plus, that's, you know, that's pretty darn impressive to me. All right, this is the game we play every year and what we all pay the money to see. Scott Wright once famously said every year the Senior Bowl has 10 first-round players. Well, when you have 140 underclassmen declare now, you're not going to get that many players at the Senior Bowl to thus have 10 first-rounders. So, last year we counted before the we came on the air here five first-rounders a year ago from the Senior Bowl. So, let's start with let's start with the man who uh who who brought the brings rule. the, the rule to light. Scott Wright, how many first-rounders from this year's game? Well, for those who know me, they know I'm ever the optimist, so I'm going to go high on this one. And I, I'm going to do my final count here because I forgot what my number was. Two, three, five, I'm going eight. Go that. You are going eight. Eight. High. eight. Who are these eight? What All the right. hell were you smoking in the car on the way over? <laughs> and I'm even going to list these in order of confidence. Daniel Jones, quarterback, Duke. Montez Sweat, defensive end, Mississippi State. Andre Dillard, offensive tackle, Washington State. Jonathan Abram. Safety, Mississippi State. Ooh. I think Drew Locke, quarterback from Missouri, sneaks in there somewhere, maybe trading up for maybe the Raiders. 
I think Michael Dieter, the offensive lineman from Wisconsin, goes in the first round. I think Elton Jenkins, the safe or the center slash guard from Mississippi State, goes in the first round. And this is the last one I debated, I hedged, I went back and forth because I, as I mentioned earlier, I'm disappointed in this week. But Zach Allen, the defensive end from Boston College, he's not going to be for everybody. But I think later in the first round, maybe a team like the Colts, somebody like that, he'd be a really good fit for. I think he's going to fit the culture they're trying to build there, and and he's a good player. So I'm going with eight. Top that. Well, Pigskin Paul, I can see the old wheels are turning over there in his head. He's counting on his fingers over here. So, so yeah. let's go with you, Paul. Uh, who you got? First round senior bowl players. It ain't going to be eight. But I am also very surprised. Let me make a. I want to make an observation though. I'm very surprised because I thought I heard you say a few minutes ago that Debo Samuel was probably the best prospect here. And he he came in as okay that you were qualifying <laughs> yeah, that's because I was shocked that if you're being an optimist you don't have Debo Samuel in there. So well, I'll just comment that quick. Um, okay, Debo Samuel, I I think I think he's gonna be a second round because of a some durability concerns and I can kind of compare the situation to James Washington last year. They're a little bit different yeah. players but not completely different. And a year ago this time we were talking, oh, does James Washington maybe sneak into the back of the first round? He was the 60th overall pick. Now mm-hmm. obviously that was great value and everything, but I just don't see Debo going in the first round. I don't either. I've got a South Carolina Gamecock tattoo on my right arm, so for, for what it's worth. No, well, my first guy is, is Debo Samuel, and I say that because not only did he blow it up here and show himself to be the most exciting, best all-around player, arguably, I think he's going to knock the doors off the combine in the 40-yard dash. And people, if you're going to have all these spread offenses, et cetera, et cetera. You've got to have receivers. And I think in the NFL, at his size and his style, he reminds me of another Gamecock from decades ago, just a little bit smaller, Sterling Sharp. Mm. And I think he may get used just like the Packers used Sterling Sharp when Mike Holmgren was calling the plays before Brett Favre changed them all. And bottom line was a lot of the passes that Sterling Sharp took were just little parallel passes behind the line of scrimmage or one or two yards up the field, and then he just ran through and passed people. So I got Samuel. I say he's got Sterling Sharp-type impact. I also think, again, if Montez Sweat stays out of trouble at, as a pass rusher, you got an edge at being selected, so I think he's a first-rounder. I think Andre Dillard showed what he can do, again, not just as a pass blocker. So he's my third guy. And then just because everybody loves quarterbacks, you got to have the quarterback. I don't, agree with, I don't agree with this first one because I don't even see as much as some of you folks do, but Drew Locke is going to squeeze into the last end of this first round. And I think Daniel Jones is going to be right back there with him. Five, Five from Chase Kimball. Drew Locke's going to go higher than the back end of the first round, whether oh, I, I whether so. whether I like it or, yeah, or anybody likes so. it or not. Yeah. Um, funny, funny, you brought up Sterling Sharp. Funny side note, Sterling Sharp is one of only two players to have his number retired at the University of South Carolina. There you go. I don't know who the other one is, but he's uh, one yeah, of two. Just going to stand the <laughs> some, some It's number Bob. 39. I, 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 I don't know who it is. Some, it will not be Jake. Some will, Billy Bob boy not be Jake Bentley. If they haven't retired Marcus Lattimore's number, they're not going to retire Jake Bentley's number. Joe, Joe Everett, 
first round senior bowl prospects. As I effort number 39 on South Carolina, uh, I'm, I'm going for It's basically the guys you talked about. Uh, Sweat, I think, is legit. The quarterbacks are legit. That's easy enough to say. Uh, and I'm going uh, Locke and Jones as much as I don't really – I wouldn't do it. But uh, And then I'm adding, uh, I'm adding Ferguson. I like him a lot. Um, and I think he's a guy that tests really well. And we're about you know, a few months removed from this event. And he puts in some numbers. Um, I think that's a guy that fits in. But I, I like Dillard a whole lot. But he's just on the outside looking in. For, that's basically a lot of the names you guys mentioned. I think these are really high-grade second-rounders and day, just day-two prospects. It's like we're at a different draft class. They would fit in to day one. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to stick to four. It's the two QBs and give me two pass rushers. And that's what I – feel comfortable with and where this price is right i mean i'd be sitting there with uh, one dollar please just a note jalen ferguson was would have been my next guy if i had one more i considered him too he would have been my next guy as well i don't think he had a good week no he didn't no he, absolutely not <laughs> he's, absolutely not, he's not. not strong enough yeah that that that's i would have you know. considered him but that this week's kind of got me yeah. he, he was just here i'm gonna go with five mm-hmm. five guys i'm uh I don't like either one of the quarterbacks, but I'm putting them in because they're probably they're going to go. Uh, there's going to be probably four quarterbacks taken in the first round. Um, Jones and Locke, I think, are going to be two of them. Haskins is going to be the first quarterback taken, and uh, the sh- Oakland A's short uh, center yeah, fielder baseball player. Uh, yeah. is probably also going to go in the first round. Um, Montez Sweat. Uh, I, I think he was he's probably the, was probably the highest rated player coming into this game on I'd say most people's boards, and he's probably hasn't done really anything to disparage that, uh, in my opinion. Uh, I'm gonna go two offensive tackles, Andre Dillard. Uh, I, I think just because it's it's the it's the old supply and demand, right. it's the same thing with quarterbacks. Right. Offensive tackles, both left and right tackle. Now, I mean, you need them both. And there is a dearth of tackle prospects in this league. I mean, it's just bad. And uh, so I think Dillard, uh, who I was, I was like, I think you mentioned earlier, you were surprised at how good of a run blocker he was this week. I almost thought he was a better run blocker this week than he was in, in the pass pro, the one-on-ones. And uh, the other uh, offensive tackle, uh, you, you said he'd be good value in the third round. I think Caleb McGarry is going to sneak into the yeah. bottom end of the first round. I'm here for it. That's my fifth, uh, my fifth one. Uh, there, there's a couple other guys I hedged on. Uh, Nazar Adderley from Delaware, I thought maybe. But I think he's a safety only now. Yeah. He got cross-trained at corner this week, and it, it did not it go well. Nope. The same with Blair from Utah. They, they trained him at corner, and it, it, it did not no. go well for him either. Uh, so those are my five. Can I make one more point on Dillard? Go ahead. The reason, one of the reasons I think I'm a fan of his game, but another reason I think he's going to go really early, maybe top 15 to 20 overall, is because he's, if not the number one left tackle in the draft, he's number two. He's battling Greg Little from Ole Miss. Because you think of the other offensive linemen, Jonah Williams from Alabama, right tackle or guard, yeah. probably. Yeah. Uh, Jawan Taylor from Florida, right tackle or guard. Cody Ford from Oklahoma, right tackle or guard. Uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, Andre Dillard, if you need a left tackle, it's Dillard versus Little. And I think you could make a pretty strong case for Dillard in that debate. That and, and you're coming off a 2018 draft that was weak in the offensive tackle position. So now teams are getting desperate. When when the heck are we going to find, and who are we going to find 
to play left tackle for us. Not to get off track here from where we're at, but we're talking about left tackle. What about Yadni Kajus, the guy? He was supposed to be here, but pulled out of the game. I don't see it. And I don't know. game, too, right? He's, right. Yeah. A couple games he's missed right. now, and it's a missed opportunity. I mean, I, there's a couple. We talked about Debo Samuel at his position. Uh, the kid from Ohio State should have been here, Paris Campbell. And he might have, Debo might have snatched that number one wide, senior wideout title right from his hands. And the same thing goes for Dillard and Kajus. A lot of people coming into the week, you know, it might have been 1A, 1B, or pretty close, where I think Dillard is separated now. I watched four West Virginia games. And I was absolutely shocked when I started to hear people talking about Kajus as a possible first-round pick a month ago. And I'm going... He's just a guy. In fact, he may not even be that good. He looks like a big, out-of-shape guy that can't move, and they're going to eat him up in the NFL. J.J. Watt's just waiting for that guy to get <laughs> drafted by somebody in the AFC. Um, I, I, really, I really don't. I don't get it at all with him. But fair, fair enough. Fair enough. I... I We'll see. But you're not alone on it. I, I don't think – I think he's going to go in the first round. Oh. <laughs> um, who's going to win the game tomorrow? Who's going to win the game MVP? Let's, uh, let's go with Joe Everett. Going south, always do. Can't go away, uh, you know. <laughs> where are we right here, you know? Uh, but uh, MVP – It'd be hard not to be your guy, Samuel, if it's south wind. Actually, no, I'll backtrack it up. Screw it. I'm going north. I'm going Isabella. That's my MVP. That's easy enough. I called that after practice one. How dare I go away from my instant? Whoever it goes with a north wind. Give me a score. Ooh, it's going to be tight, you know. I'll say 28-23 North wins. 28-23 North, Andy Isabella, MVP from Joe Everett. Scott Wright. I'm going to go with the North just because I think their offensive and defensive lines are so excellent. Um, I think that's going to control the game for them. Um, MVP, I'm going to go with Notre Dame running back Dexter Williams. Yes, it's a homer pick, but also I I said the offensive line I'm really impressed with. And he's the type of guy where if he gets a little hole, he's going to bust one and take it, you know, 50, 60 yards. And we think what Rashad Penny did last year. Uh, I think we could see a similar type of thing from Dexter Williams. I wouldn't be shocked if he scored a couple touchdowns, and including a long one. You want to score, too? Score. All right, let's go with 24-16. Paul. Okay. Which team does John Gruden coach? The North. The South wins. There we go. Okay? Hey, listen, I love John Gruden, but what I saw out there was not good. And I also think, although this is very hard to do with this damn eight-quarterback system, okay, I think Jared Stidham's going to carry it over to this game. And I think, and especially if they had only three quarterbacks on that team, he'd get the fourth quarter, and he'd lead the South to a... 27 to 21 victory. So I'll say that's what's going to happen, even though he only gets one quarter. And my guess is he's going to start because he's from Auburn. So he's going to get the first quarter. So with that thought process in mind, I'm going to go with the South, obviously. 24 to 7. Ooh, wow. Decisive. Two sacks apiece from Sweat. And either we'll we'll say Ferguson and Zeminis mm. 
get a sack apiece. Sweat gets two. But your MVP of the game, Tyree Jackson from Buffalo, in the fourth quarter, in what was a tight game coming in, Jackson goes bombs away, hits two touchdown passes, 50-plus yards apiece. Tyree Jackson goes 104, I'm going to say 115 yards passing, two touchdowns. Game MVP, Southwinds 24-6. May, may I? What if he hears this? Yeah, right. What's he going to think of you? May I add a comment? Maybe Debo catches one of the long touchdown passes. Those are reverse jinx, oh, I think, where you're trying to motivate him. Those are going to Anthony Johnson, sir. <laughs> may I make two comments, please? Go ahead. Based on Brian's projections, he has not been drinking alcohol tonight. <laughs> despite what you might think. And... Brian, this is not a fantasy football game. This is a real football Well, it's almost a real football game. I'm sorry. It is kind of fantasy. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't Jackson, know what to say. I, I like Tyree Jackson. I'm sorry. I, 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 I have no shame in my love for Tyree Jackson. Uh, I love my thumb, but I don't suck it anymore. <laughs> Keep that. Yeah, Final comments. Paul, uh, Paul. <laughs> it was an interesting week. I think it's. I think it could be a, a pretty exciting game. I think it could go either way. The defense is. It's back to the old story. I think it often is what this game boils down to at the Senior Bowl. Which line is going to dominate? Are the blockers going to dominate, or are the defensive line just going to eat them up and be sacking quarterbacks all day long? And. Whichever team has the strongest combination of offense and defensive lines, I think will carry the day. But the good side is, when I come to this game compared to the Shrine, I know there will be some scoring one way or another. And that's a big deal. You guys ought to go to the Shrine all week and realize the score is going to be 14 to 10 (laughs) every year. Scott Wright, final comments. I just want to reiterate again how much talent I think there is here all throughout the roster. And I think by the time draft day wraps up, we're going to look at the numbers, and he's going to have Jim Nagy's going to have a good percentage of these players selected uh, in the draft. So, um, and just you know, I guess I would say hats off to Jim. I think he did a great job the first time around, and we got to wait till draft day to really see. But um, I feel really good about this group he brought in. Joe Everett, just looking forward to the pomp and circumstance of the game, and like you know, the whole uh, just. I think when players actually bring it to the game, it still does change. We spend so much time talking about it's the week of practices, what the weight of this is. But uh, you, ju- you guys just brought up how well Rashard Penny did last year, and that 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 is uh, make or break stock for some of these guys. Uh, we talked about Ferguson potentially, you know, had not an impressive week, but if he comes through like you're saying, Brian, well, that's going to help his stock out big time. So uh, yeah, looking forward to some difference makers in this week. That's for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys. I'm looking forward to the game tomorrow. The talent is a tremendous amount of talent. And uh, just a final, because I, I forgot to mention him. I just want to bring up bring up his name. Defensive MVP or defense, defensive player of the game tomorrow, Sione Taki Taki from BYU. Love that guy. Love what he brings to the table. But I just want I really just want to say his name out loud. That's going to do it for uh, this this year's edition of the uh, Grape of Code Deep Fried Draft Cheapest Meal Podcast. I want to thank Pigskin Paul Gilmet. Scott Wright, Joe Everett, as always. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Until next time.